we make all kinds of connections from our neighbors to our co-workers from family members to people we interact with in business every day what about the connections we make to ourselves? today we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives this is things worth considering with hosts gord riddell and alexia georgiusis it's time to consider the possibilities Today, welcome to Things Worth Considering. I'm your host, Gord Riddell, and with me is my co-host, Alexia Georgiusis. Uh, now, before I introduce our guest, um, I want to let listeners know that we are live to air at this point, uh, which means that you can join the conversation uh, shortly uh, and be able to call in and uh, ask any questions or whatever you would like, just to say hi. Uh, you can call toll-free at one 346 9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now, let me introduce our guest here. Uh, it is Linda Kushner. She's the registrar and the managing director of Transformational Arts College in Toronto. Yay! Hi. How are you, Linda? I'm good. Hi, everyone. Uh, Linda is a registered psychotherapist. She is also a spiritual director and a faculty member uh, at the college. And um, we have uh, a lot of interest uh, in the, the whole area of afterlife going on. I, does the pandemic have anything to do with it? Possibly. Um, but Linda has been doing a lot of research in this, in this field. And uh, yeah, welcome, Linda. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. So, so ba- basically, yeah. um, I started off just having a real interest in other worlds way back when I was a teenager. A and teenager? Heard, <laughs> Thinking of dead people? <laughs> <laughs> or things like Eastern philosophies of reincarnation. Um, it, and I guess death really hit me when I was, um, I guess, relatively young in terms of it was a, it was a dear friend of mine who, who passed away in a car crash very suddenly, oh. very unexpectedly. And just from there on, it was something that I was always interested in. And somehow, over the time of my studies of consciousness and working with the psyche, um, I've somehow accumulated a ton of books around <laughs> reincarnation, the afterlife, mediums, uh, talking about you know um, the other world or the other side as well. It's always been a huge interest. And... I actually, with you, Gord, went to one of the Afterlife conferences and then went to another yes. one as well. By Terry. It's uh, run by Terry Daniels. Um, great speakers, great information, not just about afterlife, but about grief and, and the grieving process and how there is something beyond the physical and consciousness is perhaps not what we thought, that it's actually much broader, much more expansive, much more all-encompassing and eternal in some way. Yeah. Yeah, well, so, we haven't done very well at defining what that is at all. Right. Yeah. And and now with this, you know, with COVID-19, I think that Gordon and I have talked about this where part of one of the deficits is that we don't ready ourselves or prepare ourselves about the reality of death and dying. And Linda, I'm curious, did, did your interest and then your exploration end up helping you with your own grieving about the loss of your friend? Um. Not at that time, I wasn't as much into it. It certainly, I was always looking at, well, what was the purpose of her life? What was the purpose of our life together? Um, so I, I was always introspective in that way and searching. 
But I think when it really, um, when I really expanded into this whole area and being very interested was later when actually there were teachers at the, at the school at Transformational Arts and Friends who passed away in a relatively short period, like a six-year period um, that um, certainly, you know, Gord and I experienced um, that. It was tough. The mystery, you know, of, of life and death, basically. Yeah, because yeah. they were they were quite a range of age, from like forty through to uh, like sixty mid sixties. You know, it was tough. It was a tough yeah. time, because uh, three of them went in one year. Uh, yeah. You know, so that's that's a lot. Yeah, it was it was. So Linda and I went running off to the uh, afterlife conference. <laughs> we thought they'd be there, but uh, <laughs> just joking on that. Uh, so so, so why sir, why study this? Um, probably because it, it's such an area of, of um, fear for a lot of people, being fearful about death, and um, it's the unknown. Uh, we don't really know. I mean, we can, so we're going to talk about near-death experiences that tell us a lot more, especially lately. There's just you know millions of people that have seemed to have had that experience, but we don't know what it's like to not be in our body. We're, we live in such a physical world, and we get so attached mm. to the it's physical true as well so we wonder you know is it true what the mystics are saying that you know that we're also spirit and we are we're we're much more and multi-level multi-dimensional as well and that um maybe if we can embrace death and look at death in the face then what does that do in terms of how we make choices around living consciously right yeah absolutely and it, of course it, it i've been teaching yeah, and it definitely will bring us to to be able to be more, I think, aware of our senses, like more sensate the richness, because we really do overvalue intellect and thinking, the thinking mind. So, you know, that sense of being in the body and what is the body representative of, and then the dissolution of the body. So I'm I'm really really curious about the near death experiences and the research that's there because I know you have a tremendous amount of experience and also background in terms of researching this and um, you know how, what is what what do you find that is the most sort of prominent for you around the near death experiences? The fact that they're so similar um, that there are you know, it's such a diverse population, different kinds of genders and ages and cultural backgrounds. And yet there are such similarities between what people have experienced. And certainly Dr. Raymond Moody has uh, cataloged a lot of that and done, done, done research on that, that um, what's going on that the information that's being shared is really profound for one thing and how it changes people's lives but that the, there are all these elements that really um, seem to be across the board um, there's something like 15 elements altogether that are actually seen as being pretty similar and if seven of those are present usually it confirms some kind of a near-death experience that someone um, actually did pass over into another dimension we may not be able to measure that yet. Maybe we just don't know how to do that. But the idea that um, even the way that um, how we how we categorize death, it, it's it's sometimes different in terms of people 
um, with, with within doctors, within hospitals? Is it about the brain being dead? Is it about vital organs being dead? Is it a combination of that as well? There's a lot of um, unknowns about consciousness itself, right? right. Well, even even about you know pronouncing or, or declaring someone dead, you know, is just uh, uh, d- different places have different different criterion. You know, the heart stops, or or the, you know, is the brain still going? You know, all of that has to has to play out. You know, in order for for well, there's three different kinds of death, isn't there? Uh, I thought um, you know, like someone who was on an operating table, uh, someone who's in a car accident. Uh, You've got resuscitation that can happen. Um, being pronounced clinically dead, um, thought it, uh, then you've got accidents, severe injury, and then those who have died who talk about a near-death experience later, others report what, what, what they heard from the person as well. Right, right. And I, right. Think, I think your point about not being able to measure is really relevant because we do not have the ability to measure, for example, vitality. I remember, I think it was Carolyn Mace who said that the future of medicine will be the how to measure thought because mm. it's related to energy. But I am curious around, you know, the um, whatever, this is impermanence. It's, it's the recognition that there's, there's an impermanence that's constant and, and, you know, facing death, like, you know, in terms of your work, Linda, do you work with people to sort of help them either on their journey if they are facing imminent death or is it just also, and maybe it's both also around the acceptance that, that death is here. It's both. It, it really is both of um, working with people who um, mostly it's people who have lost loved ones and helping them come to terms with the possibility of that person that they've lost. Isn't really a loss. It's, it's about, that there are other dimensions, the possibility of other dimensions. And um, coming to terms with grieving is important, but at the same time recognizing there is no end to energy. There is no end to consciousness. And that creates a very different relationship when someone has passed on. There's also, I think, though, uh, because, I, you know, the the program that I teach in, you know, Mindful Living and Conscious Dying, is just people coming to terms with the fact they're going to die. You know, as a, I jokingly say, you know, life, no one gets out of this alive. <laughs> every single person, every single animal, every single tree is going to go through a cycle of dying, you know. Uh, and and the, the, whole, the whole course, they're working through, I mean, they're, they're learning how to work with other people who are dying and so on, but all of that has to be reflected back on what if that was you in that bed or at home what, looking out the window. And it's, it's quite an interesting thing. And then they write their own eulogies. So yeah, very powerful. Very, it's very, very powerful thing powerful. to do. And, and, yeah. and, and you know, this, um, this idea of, again, accepting that, oh, what if this is my last breath? You know, what if today was my last day? I think that it helps us to be more present and more appreciative of what's here and realize that there's always going to be things that we are not pleased with and things that we are. But um, what's, what's your take, Linda, with this, uh, you know, in terms of, I guess, the, the pandemic and COVID-19, um, you know, in terms of energetically as the collective? Any, any insight into that? Well, it certainly brought people 
to go within, I mean, not just within physically, but brought people to a realization of perhaps what's important in life. Facing death often brings us to that place. What's really important, what really matters, right? And and globally, people have had that experience and are changing their lives or recognizing this is not working and this is doesn't feel there, there's something out of alignment going on here when when they look at that closeness to um, if I don't recognize there's a pandemic and, and that I'm living in a pandemic situation that um, I might I might be in a situation where I need need to recognize I could die right that I, I'm facing mortality much more imminently than before a pandemic obviously and it's causing people to go within and to to kind of really bring to consciousness what is life um, what what is even consciousness sometimes um, looking at the possibility that maybe um, I'm much more than this physical human being who right. has thoughts right makes right. it making people uh, uh, really look at their own values yeah. You know, what, what do we value in this life? Is it, work, is it going to work every day for like 12 hours? Or, you know, people are not going to talk about the office at the end of their life. They're going to talk about the people that were in their life and, and the times they spent. And, you know, uh, that's, that's well documented. Very few say, oh, damn, I wish I spent two more hours a day in the office. Um, nobody does that, you know. But it is the... The GA, you know, in terms of any regrets, is I wish I spent more time with my friends, or you know, in other words, I left the office sooner and and spent more time, you know, doing doing things with them or just being with them. Right, those are right. those are really important pieces, you know. So, and Linda, I have a question about the whole idea of consciousness because I know that there is, you know, differences of opinion around definitely different cultures around where consciousness is held, and I think that that's also uh, very interesting to believe that consciousness as energy is contained only in one part of the body, like as if it's only in the brain. And well, that's the, you know. Absolutely not. Uh, the exactly. Brain, what creates consciousness. Right. right. How is consciousness? But consciousness is much broader than that. And um, even, even Alexander, the doctor, the neurosurgeon who wrote um, Map of Heaven, and he, had, he was in a coma for seven days and had a, a very detailed near-death experience, talks about that his death of the, of the body and the brain are not the end of consciousness, that human experience continues beyond the grave as well, right? And then um, just going back to that idea of, of um, how that pandemic is having an effect, it's interesting that near-death, um, people who've had near-death experiences, one of the things they talk about is meeting higher beings of some kind usually again it's quite universal and the important questions one of them is what have you done with your life to show me what have you done with your life that's sufficient um is the kind of life you've been living up to this point worthwhile right and i think that's the kind of question people are asking that's very interesting and they're important questions yeah yeah and are you prepared to die Obviously, for those who come back, it wasn't necessarily their time. Right? Well, I, I think also it must, you know, what is what is the idea of death? You know, and can can we conceive? I don't know if we can we can uh, consciously conceive what it means to be dead. And I think that the near death experiences help 
on, on uh, to some extent. And I, I think there's some probably some criticism about it too, saying, oh, it's just people that are, you know, uh, hallucinating. And I don't buy that personally, but mm-hmm. I, I think that that's often what's, um, you know, what can be uh, Yeah, that said. was certainly, certainly the opinion, you know, that it was just the consciousness sort of running out of the final chemicals, right, you know, right. in the brain. And it was just, you know, winding down and it was creating all those hallucinations and so on. Uh, that's what they called it. Uh, I think that there's a real movement, though, is, is you know, sort of the studies have shifted to consciousness to recognize that, gee, we really don't know what consciousness is and is it actually being caused by, by you know, bioelectrical, uh, you know, nutritional elements inside of your body. Um, I think there's a real movement away from that. You know, growing up, my grandmother would say, uh, since I was a little kid, everybody knows where your brain is, but nobody knows where your mind is. Which, of course, mm-hmm. is consciousness, you know. Yes, so, yes. you know, that's what we call it now. And, and I think that, you know, neurosciences are helping enormously uh, with us to begin to understand that, you know. Um, yeah, and there's lots of, of um, uh, examples, too, of people who have had hallucinations because they were drug-induced or of some kind. And the kind of images that people experience are very different from an NDE. In an NDE, they're very crisp, they're very clear, um, they're very memorable, very detailed, versus an, a hallucination becomes quite vague. Scary. Images are not as concrete. Oh, that's yeah. so fascinating. Yeah. On that note, we're going to fascinating it into a commercial break. Uh, we have a Jane on hold, and we'll get to her when we get back, and we will see you on the other side. This is Things Worth Considering. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, this is Gord Riddell. I'm here with Alexia Georgiusis, and our guest is Linda Kushner. And we are talking about 
near-death experiences and exploring the afterlife. Now, we've got a caller who's been very gracious to be on hold here. Uh, we have Jane on hold. And uh, maybe we'll hi. just... Uh, hi, Jane. How are you? Hi. Good, thing. Good. Um, Good. This is yeah, Gord. It's so... Yeah. Hi. Nice to hi. talk with you. <laughs> you too. Um, but, uh, thank you. Did you have a question? I did. Sorry. Um, okay. I've had a lot of death in my life since I was, you know, quite young. Um, suicide and pets dying and parents, like both parents dying. Um, I just lost one pet and I have one that's just been diagnosed with something else. Um, that will probably lead to obviously to death, but I'm just wondering, um, is there a way, like, have you found anything that, is there, is there some sort of signs that you see that come up with, with energies that have gone, gone before that you, that will, you can recognize, like just to know that they're there, the, uh, in terms sense. of like uh, being able to sense them or see them around mm-hmm, you, or, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> next week <laughs> is is uh, our, our guests are our two mediums actually who really work with this stuff. Uh, well, not yeah. that Linda and I don't actually, uh, but uh, certainly you know my my personal experience is yes, definitely. Um, it's something you you need to just learn to sit with. Like you need someone to help you develop that. Um, but everybody has mm-hmm. it there. We, we just we just really block it, you know? I have had some experiences where um, after my father died, I smelled his aftershave cologne. And I, I didn't live with my father, so I didn't have his cologne in my home. So definitely um, that, that felt like he was really visiting. And then uh, one of my cats who passed away, um, the next morning... I have this floor have this floorboard in my bedroom that my cat used to walk on, and there always had a specific creak, and that creak mm. happened again. I had that sense of, of this was my animal coming to visit me. Yeah, right. It's right. I think our okay. fear is what stops us from feeling it. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of like ooh, you know, if I can't see it, I don't want to smell it and hear it or have it touch me. You know, um, if I can't right. actually see it, and and it really feeds the fear. And, and Jane, I'm curious, is it more for um, knowing, because you said you've had a lot of loss in your life, is it more for knowing that they're yeah. still here? I guess it's that, um, yeah, it's like, is there something after this? Like, it's almost like you want you want a, some sort of guarantee. I think we would all feel better, <laughs> right, if there was some sort of guarantee that there is some concrete evidence that there's something after this. Yeah. Yeah, Other Linda, re- what do you think about that? Sender. <laughs> Um, well, there's really tons of research. There's the International Association for Near-Death Experiences, and they have um, millions of, of or thousands of um, research. Um, there's a journal um, of research on near-death experiences there that um, you know talks a lot about though that afterlife that um, feels like it 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 it's, it's real. Um, I guess the, the other personal area would be that, and certainly I've heard this, and it, it's been my own personal experience too, that people who have passed over will come to us in dreams, but not necessarily to us. After my mother died, my neighbor had a dream about my mother because I was too close to that whole you know, grieving process at the time. So I trust mm-hmm. that they come through in ways that we don't expect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we could put it out there too that says that I'm open to the 
coming near to, you know, let me know that you're around, but don't walk around expecting that they're going to knock you out, you know, you know, give you a little knock on the forehead. Uh, it's, it's often very, very subtle. Uh, right. And, you know, scent is a very common one, actually. That's a big one is a scent or, you know, uh, touching something of your mother's or your father's and then, you know, just maybe a drops or, or something around that. There's, there's some interesting ways that uh, we just need to be open to interpret sort of what's going on because the only way they can communicate mm-hmm. initially is going to be through sort of some sort of symbology. Uh, they're in a vibrational rate that's totally different than ours. It's a lot of work for both mm-hmm. of us to try and meet. One other experience I had with a dear friend who passed away, and other people have written and talked about this too, where there is some kind of animal present or the the natural world that is associated with that person. Um, So for me, it was sitting outside and having a butterfly literally fly around me and land on me for half an hour. It did not leave. And immediately, because of the color of the butterfly, uh, it was the energy of the person that had passed away. It was quite fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So does that, does that help you, James? Question, James? <laughs> it does. Does, that, it does. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so if you would like to uh, call in and chat with us, uh, you can reach us at one 346 9141 And that is toll-free. Uh, feel free to call us. Uh, so, Linda, let's go to, um, you know, you talk about a commonality um, of experiences, and it was, what, 7 out of 12 that uh, Raymond Moody came seven up with? 15, yeah. Or 7 out of 15. Uh, what, what are some of the commonality of experiences? Uh, the big one is having a hard time explaining in words, um, being, being able, the words are, are two to three-dimensional because it's such a multi-dimensional experience for people um, hearing the news that the, the doctor has pronounced them dead and they're here, they're trying to say but I'm not here I am this is Anita Morjani um, wrote a book about that as well uh, dying to be me and dying to be me yeah yeah was was actually that was her big experience she was trying to comfort all the people that were so you know in grief around she she um, was was pronounced uh, Clinton. She was dying and she was trying to tell them, but I'm not, I'm here. Um, and uh, at the same time though, there's feelings of, of peace, um, kind of these pleasant sensations. If there's pain, the pain is gone. Um, great. Re- a feeling of uh, being relaxed and at ease. Um, some people will hear noises. Uh, sometimes they can be like buzzing or banging um, and, Sometimes it's more music. It, it just really seems to depend. Uh, most talk about the tunnel, that it's mm. a tunnel that they're sent through. Um, they're in the, in this. They're not in their body anymore. They're in this kind of uh, energy of some kind, and they're being pulled very rapidly through a tunnel. But they don't feel vertigo, um, and there is some light. Um, but it's, it's this floating kind of feeling as though they're going through some kind of a passageway, certainly out-of-the-body experiences. So 
They might be floating above the body um, in the hospital room. They'll notice um, uh, one case is a doctor dropped his pen and it rolled under something. And they'll hear what the doctors are saying. That When they come back, they're able to corroborate what, was, what they heard. And it's often medical terminology that they would have no knowledge of mm-hmm. in terms of the procedures that were happening at the time. Um, or... Um, going to see the relatives that were in another room, um, that out-of-body kind of experience as well. Um, very often meeting others, others who have passed yeah. as well. There is a sense of even uh, those others might be across the river. Um, they might be uh, wanting to go to them, and yet one of the reasons that they can't is because there's a border, there's a limit they're not allowed to cross the threshold. They're not allowed to take the boat to the other side. Um, depending, it can be very. Yeah. You know, anyone who's ever had the what I think is the absolute privilege of being with someone at the end uh, is you'll very often hear them talking to people from their life who's already passed on. Hmm. You know, uh, I can remember when one of my grandmothers, my dad's mom, uh, uh, she was eighty-nine or ninety, and and being with her, and she would be talking to my grandfather who he'd gone twenty years earlier. Uh, and, and then she would come back in and she'd be holding my hand and then she would be a little confused, not knowing who and where she was, you know, and it was only within hours or maybe a day that, that she would actually transition up and out of the body and die. Uh, it was, but it was all these people. And, and I was like, Oh, I know who that is. That's my uncle. Never met him, you know, because great uncle, I guess. Uh, but it, it, I've seen it and been with a number of people in that process. And they're talking to people who've moved on already. Mm-hmm, no. And the other big one seems to be <clears throat> meeting some kind of light beings. Sometimes it's one being, sometimes it's many light beings that they have an incredible white light around them, but it doesn't hurt the eyes. Um, they have this intelligence and love that's multiplied a thousandfold times. And again, it's so hard for them to describe it that um, there's this instant communication that happens, this sense of knowing that happens, and then really feeling this infinite vastment, vastness of, of creation, of, of God, of the divine, um, feeling such unconditional love and non-judgment. And then the other big one is the review, having a life review. But not just watching it, it's like you would watch a movie, it's more like a holographic experience of living those situations, significant events in your life. Um, with others, um, if there was harm done to others, actually feeling themselves that harm. But again, not from coming from a place of acceptance, not in love and compassion, because of the being, the light um, around them and the love that is around them as well. Right. right. So is it a sense of um, witnessing, you know, the holographic experience as, as, it if, as if they're these people are re-experiencing what they what happened in their lives and do they feel a sense of regret or especially if, if it's you know harm done to others well they'll feel what it was like to receive the harm oh, they mm-hmm. have the experience themselves right but it's not coming from a judgmental condemnation place it's this is what that experience was you need to understand it kind of this understanding piece and this knowing piece um, and um, this this real sense of being connected to something bigger than them, something that is this incredible light being that they're also being supported at the same time. Some talk about 
they're also even shown what-if experiences. So um, this was the significant event in their life, and this is how it transpired. And then if they had chosen another or made another choice, this is how it would have, how they would have lived it. Oh, how interesting. Fascinating. That's fascinating. And I'm curious, the people that have gone through these experiences, do they, does it, does it change them in terms of coming back to this reality or this, you know, world, this physical plane, this dimension? Do they, do they find that they live differently or they, I mean, it sounds like a lot of people end up writing their experience and sharing their experience. Yeah. But I'm curious if they, if they just go back to how they used to be or they, you know, something dramatically mostly, shifts mostly they be, they change and as Gore talked about before um their values are different um they sometimes there is this not wanting to come back but feeling like they must come back maybe for the children or because there's a purpose that they still have to um work through. um but um some feel they were allowed to come back they might have um you know had an opportunity to say but i want to go back and then they talk about how um, their lives become much more broadened in terms of their perspective. So they do things that have more meaning. They feel more humility. Life is more precious. They're not afraid of death. Um, and again... Um, that changes That changes how you live. Yeah. As long as you're afraid of death, you're not fully alive because there's a part of you that's always cautious, uh, cautious about not dying. Exactly. Oh, that's exactly. too dangerous. I can't do that. Right. You know? Um, it's it's a, it's an unfortunate thing, but people, yeah. Until we embrace death, we can't embrace life. Yeah, definitely. You know? but like it's a real liberation. Um, not not even recognizing that they don't have to be attached the way they were before. Mm. You know, people people who grew up, uh, I just wanted to bring this up because it's a really big one for a lot of people, um, is that people who have been brought up in a religious tradition, uh, that they're going to go to the judge and they're going to be judged, uh, and, you know, at the end of time. Uh, this is telling us and has, has given us a lot of information about the fact that uh, we ourselves, and the Tibetan Book of the Dead actually talks about this, uh, which is a very, very old book, um, that we judge ourselves. In a very kind way, we are guided. We have, we have, you know, sort of angelic or higher being energy with us uh, that guide us through these, what we just talked about, you know, our scenes and our learnings and, you know, were we successful in accomplishing what we thought we would? Are we not? Do we need to do this again? But we're, we're the ones that makes that decision. There's not, you know, it, it's not a, a condemnation. It's not like getting up in front of the Supreme Court, you know, <laughs> well, unless Ruth Ginsburg was on it and then I'd go. But, <laughs> you know, I have so, so much admiration for that lady. Yes, yes. As does I think half the world. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it really is us that has to, to, be, to get real finally about our delusions as a human being. That's know? very interesting. Yeah, I think it's very powerful. And I think, yeah. that, that, I think that in knowing that, it takes that fear away. Yeah. And, and people are terrified of, of that. Some of those lessons that people come back with are very much about our soul is indestructible that um, our, we are infinite and eternal, um, that um, we're love at our core, that we're all one. You know, I mean, that's one of the big lessons of, of COVID, of course, right? That mm-hmm. we're really not separate at all. We're so interconnected, right? Um, mm. And that, that um, 
even though we're all one, we're still separate at the same time. That idea that we go on, that um, it, it's a, con a continuous kind of experience and our spirits can't be destroyed. Um, yeah. This isn't new stuff either, you know? No, I mean, no. It, it's, it's more common because we just have so much communication ability now. Um, you know, with, with books, it's, I'm so glad they invented the printing press, um, <laughs> you know, but from books through to electricity that we can now actually be uh, doing a radio show. Uh, well, now the internet Plato, too, right? Plato yeah. is uh, the internet. That, yeah, that's what I meant by electricity. Yes, uh, yes. I'm not quite with it yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm still trying to generate my own over here. Plato, Plato was very much, very much a, a huge talker about consciousness and spirit and the soul separated from the body at death. And, you know, really saw that there was two sort of parts and about going, you know, a boat across the water and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, he, and of course we all know, I mean, Plato still impacts us to this day. You he know. said that the most important task was to practice to die. With the practice to die. Well, yeah. and, and that's, a, that's a message from all the mystics is that learning how to die in each moment. And yeah. I think that that's why hopefully on some level COVID-19 will help people to see that, yes, we, we could die at any moment. It's yep. not just because COVID-19 is around. It could have been a car accident. Anything. It sure. could have been... Uh, a suicide. It could have been, uh, yeah, it could have been gallbladder. It could have been yeah. a surgery that went wrong. It could have been pneumonia. It could have been anything. But but I think that it's been so skewed that it's uh, it is something that that has been kind of um, not to dismiss that the the severity, but it's also having a perspective check around yeah. saying, wait a minute, if this was to happen, am I ready? And nobody will feel ready. It's like saying, you know, young parents who go, when am I ready to have a child? Yeah. It's like, I think you, know, you don't know when you're ready, ready but it's I, not really up to us. That's how I feel. Well, I don't, it's I not. Think, I agree. You know, I agree. We can but do all the prevention in the world and there's no guarantee. We don't do well not knowing. We do not. And so to, to say, this is a, this is a huge mystery is what do you do with that? You know, I need to know what's behind the mystery. And no, maybe you just need to accept the mystery. I think that a child being born is enormously miraculous and mysterious as well. Absolutely. You know? So on that note, you can call us at 1-888-346-9141. And we're going to break here. And we'll be right back at Things Worth Considering. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. 
It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca That's info at spiritgrows.ca Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, right, welcome back. Uh, we're here with uh, Linda Kusher. She's our guest uh, this evening. Uh, we're talking about near-death experiences and what that does or, I guess, doesn't do for us. Uh, it certainly is impactful um, for people. Now, just a, a reminder here, uh, you can call in at 1-888-346-9141. And um, thank you, Jane, for calling. And we'd love to hear from more people. Uh, what... What uh, do you think happens with suicide? People who, who attempt and don't don't succeed in suiciding. Uh, what about that? Well, most actually talk about how it was a mistake that um, they recognize in that near-death experience that um, life is precious, is a gift, and it was an action that was erroneously taken. But it but it's re- that is received with a lot of compassion at the same time. There are some rare exceptions where suicide would be a sacrifice because it's about the learning for the others yes. that, are, mm. that are involved. In I've, I've read this in, in, in Being Born Again, like a reincarnation of uh, a woman who was born into a family where the genetic predisposition for her to have Alzheimer's was extraordinarily high. And she had to make a decision about coming into this life knowing that this would happen to her because what the learnings would be for everyone involved of her growing up and being with this family and her mother, you know, uh, and grandmother and father all having Alzheimer's eventually uh, and, and herself, she chose then to come here. Uh, and it was because of everything spiritually involved with that, you know, the interactions and so on, which is quite fascinating. You know, it's quite fascinating. So, well, think- so, so sorry, Gord. I didn't yeah. interrupt you there. I was, I was, I was thinking that, um, in a way, th- this is also if someone is not having a near death experience. But what I think people can go through, whether it's that idea of dark night of the soul or a type of death while they're alive, right? A living death. It's like a when when there's a. I mean, of course, it's it's different from let's say a bad breakup or something where suddenly you never see this person again. But is there a level of almost that this is an awakening? This is really a different form of awakening or is it deeper than that? Whereas, you know, seeing these dimensions. I would say it's both, but um, people have talked too that um, when it's a suicide, they go to a different kind of healing dimension. They're, they're still supported by the light um, but they ha- actually have to go through another kind of healing um, because it's such a devastating act energetically yeah. that it has a lot of, of impact in the afterlife as well. 
Well, in the belief that you're thinking that you're ending only to discover you didn't, you know. So, yeah, yeah. That's a very powerful piece. It is. And and I guess, you know, I think it, it's a, with, with things like assisted suicide that, you know, this is, uh, I guess it brings up um, sort of an, an aware, is there, I don't know if that's something that's different or if anyone who's had near-death experiences from an assisted suicide and decided to ever change their mind. And I, and that's probably not the case, but I, no, I don't really know. Once, it's, once you're injected, it's over. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I don't know anybody who like, you know, stop it, stop it. Cause you can't, you know, right. That's right. I was they, just curious if, if they're that, really, if ever, really thorough that you really want to do this. You yeah. Know? Um, Absolutely. You know, yeah. That's a hard one. It's a very hard one because, you know, we're, t- we're, we're taught how to work with people who, who want to suicide and yet, Here's someone, but they're in pain. They're in, on many levels. Their their outlook is is not going to be to stay alive, and right. they want to uh, you know be released from that. Can't blame them really, but at the same time, it's kind of hard to to be with. I have a friend who's uh, going to have to go through this in the next little while, uh, sitting with the person while the you know the doctors give the injection, you know, and uh, he's like, I don't know if I can do this. And it's like, well. You know, it's not about you. You know, it's not for you to, I, I think it's wrong. And everything else. It's not for you to judge. He didn't ask you to judge. He asked you to sit with him, right. an old, this right. old, old man, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it's interesting, you know, like uh, we want it, we would, we jump to judgment so quickly. Absolutely. You know, we jump to judgment. And what that does is it separates us. It keeps us, you know, really far away from it. So it's, uh, yeah, suicide is a really tough one. A really tough one to. It is. It is. About. And and Linda, I'm also curious about um, with this idea of um, these when people with near death experiences. Is it is the research or the information similar to Elizabeth Kubler Ross's findings? Like in terms of when you know the writer who wrote about on you know the grief cycles and death and dying. Were are there some parallels there? Um. And the one that I'm th- I'm thinking of is that um, if people have had had difficult deaths, that they they actually, especially traumatic deaths, they actually go into kind of a holding space for healing, some kind of like a healing space that holds them um, until they're ready um, to move forward. Right. That sometimes it's a, it's so traumatic that. Um, it still has an effect. Well, I think it's also so traumatic when you believe that only your religion is going to be there, only to discover that everybody else is there, uh, you know, that there, there's, you know, religion is irrelevant uh, in, in this, you know, that it's a spiritual thing. And people people are, are needing to, like, be introduced to that, uh, you know, in, in a healing process quite slowly, yeah. you know, especially if they've dedicated their life to thinking – you know, there's only going to be like 144 of us up here um, to discover that it didn't happen. And you know? what's really interesting, too, is that um, atheists, people who don't believe that we go on, um, they have similar near-death experiences as well. They experience those different elements. They experience the light. Um, they come back with a whole different sense of, of um, that old belief system that isn't Necessarily, that's, that's an, and did they did they end up believing in terms of a consciousness or a oneness after the experience? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because it, it was a, a, 
a real experience, a real happening for them. Right. Um, it wasn't just a dream. It, it was something that was at, at such a deep intrinsic level. Right. Yeah. right, right. Well, people who come back, I mean, it has the effects on lives, you know, uh, on, uh, you know, I think just opening up their mind for starters, uh, that, gee, everything I thought is just what I thought. And it doesn't mean it is right at all, you know. Uh, other, other people have spiritual stuff happening. Like they come back and they're incredibly intuitive, uh, you know, or the, the, like they're psychic or what, you know, mediumship, whatever, uh, which would make sense to me. That would make total sense, you know, yeah. uh, to be exposed at that level and then boom. You know? I mean, Dan and, Dan and Brinkley is a, an example of not just a, a man who totally changed his life. He used to be in the military and he was a sniper assassin for the military and was struck by lightning Lovely. and had incredible, uh, a credible life turnaround around um, recognizing that wasn't the way to live. Uh, rec- <laughs> very psychic at the same time. should have phoned me. I could have told him that. <laughs> <laughs> right. but, the, but the other thing, um, they're, they're doing more research with children, publishing more research with children who have near-death experience. Hmm. Um there's certainly um, the book by the child. He was four, three years old and started to talk to his parents about how he met Christ, how he met angels, how he heard the doctors, overheard the doctors, how he saw his parents in another room crying because he was dying. And um, there's some more research around children where they, and he didn't have any kind of indoctrination up to that, that age. Mm-hmm. So the suggestion is that this universal experience of connecting with the divine, um, and there are others that have had a Christ consciousness kind of experience as well, um, that especially with children, if they haven't got that information, where did that come from? It's not so yeah. learned. Exactly. Not a belief system of theirs yet. Yeah. 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 There is, uh, there's one, one doctor that I talked to. I don't know, Linda, if you were with me when at the conference in, in St. Louis, uh, uh, he'd written a book, of course. Uh, he actually, when he was, he was a surgeon and when he was in surgery, he would actually have, um, uh, he would see spirit. Yeah. Jeff. And they would, yeah. And they would tell him where to go and what to do. And I don't remember his story completely, but just the fact of he's, he had this as a secret. No one knew that he could see spirit and he would see the spirits of, you know, people he was operating on until that car accident. Right. And it was the wife of the guy who died or she, she she killed him in the car accident and yet appeared in the surgery and guided him through the whole surgery. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 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 I don't quite remember it, but he would actually say it and nobody, nobody, none of the nurses or other doctors or the anesthetists or whatever, they didn't know what it was, they, you know, that he was seeing all of this and being guided. But it was the fact of the woman, the, the wife came back from this car accident that had just happened. He's operating in an ER on this guy. And the woman appears to him and says exactly what has happened and what to go to. And, you know, he, I guess that was enough for him, you know, that uh, he's written a book and he's out there now. And he was well, quite fascinating to talk to. I, I yeah. talked to him privately, which was great. Yeah, so. he talked about other experiences, too, where where he would be in the operating room, not necessarily the surgeon, but he would actually see these spirits. He would, he would, but he couldn't talk about it. He couldn't mention it. Um, yeah. Interesting, Dr. Raymond Moody, who is the, one of the pioneers that, that did a lot of research in his book, His Life After Life, 
but he talked about he went to a conference where he started to present this material when it was still, you know, pretty um, uh, non-standard. And um, he, at first he thought that these were all medical professionals. At first he thought that they would, you know, just kind of say, oh, you're, you're nuts kind of thing. And instead they came up to him afterwards and said the stories that he mentioned, the elements that he talked about in near-death experiences that he researched, they had patients that told him told them the same kind of experiences. So they mm. basically, you know, uh, corroborated that um, it wasn't unusual for right, them right. to do this kind of thing. Well, a friend of mine who's a major research in medicine uh, is, you know, when I was talking to him just briefly about this, he was, like, fascinated. He's like, get me, get me any literature, you know, and I'm like, Really? You know, and it's like, wow, there is hope. Well, and <laughs> I, I, I thought think, it was fascinating. Yeah, and I think that it ends up, it does, there is some reassurance to it. Yeah. So even though, there, again, there's not a guaranteed, what do we know for sure? And I think that part of that is going back to this mystery that we we don't know anything for sure. We really don't know. So, no. Linda, what happens when, if I'm, you're working with someone who is really terrified of death? or they're I think really we might terrified, have to bring her back on that. Or yeah, maybe or really terrified of losing their pet, for example, like that or a person, a loved one. You know, how do you uh, do? You, does this come up in terms of sharing with them, or not so much? Well, um, I mean, basically, it's going back to that. You know, there is some research going back to the idea that um, if we are energetic beings and all things have an energy to them, how how is it that anything can really end how how is it that there can be anything that's final right yeah, and exactly how can be open to the possibility because you know what's going to be final well we're coming up to the end of the show <laughs> and that could be very final so uh, uh, people want to get a pen ready uh, you might want to take this information down linda is giving a three-hour in-depth uh presentation this coming wednesday july 22nd at 7 p.m uh, eastern time and uh uh, it's going to be carried via the Zoom platform, uh, zoom.com. And it's $40, and that's tax included. And you can get tickets at TAC at transformationalarts.com or at 416-484-0454. And, or you can, you can let us know at info at spiritgrows.ca. Uh, and we will, we will get that uh, happening for you. Uh, Linda, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. For, yeah, thank uh, you, Linda. It was sharing, great. Sharing your work with us. Um, a reminder that every Friday night, uh, I host a Compassion Energy Circle. And these two women are often there. Uh, it's open to everyone. It's uh, free of charge. Uh, we have a short lecture, meditation, healing, and planetary healing. Oh, my God. It needs it so badly. Uh, it's only about 45 minutes. Go to zoom.com. I'm going to give you those numbers. The meeting number is 880-379-386. And your password is 314703. So next week, uh, we have Karen J. Moore and Barbara Allen. They're both mediums. They communicate with spirit, and they're here doing intuitive development and mediumship, and that should be wonderful. So thank you for joining us, and uh, thanks worth considering. And until next time, have a great week. Be safe and be well. Good night. Good night. Thank you 
for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Alexia Georgiousis and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are. 